Welcome to the Answer Real Paradigm Shifters podcast. In this episode, Marie is the guest of a podcast called Real Rover, hosted by John Craig. Here is Marie's conversation with John. Welcome to Real Rover. I'm your roving host, John Craig. Real Rover, eh? Yokoso. Craig John de Gozaimasu. Introducing you to people you would never have heard of if it wasn't for Real Rover. Here we go. Today's guest, Marie Dalgren, was born in a country that no longer exists, a country we used to call the USSR. She was born in Atkarsk, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, which I've just checked on uh, Google Earth, and uh, it's like a really interesting place. Uh, Mari is a professional coach. She helps people to become the best they possibly can, and today we're going to be talking about vision, dreams, transformation, catharsis, uh, challenge, all kinds of juicy things. So welcome to the show, Mari. How are you today on the East Coast? Yeah? Yes, yes. I'm very well today. It's sunny morning here. So thank you for having me on your podcast. Now tell me exactly where you are now. I'm currently in a town which is called Hagerstown in Maryland. In Maryland, yeah. Mm -hmm. You are... Uh, from a very early age, having looked at your background, from a very early age, you experienced what I would call catharsis, uh, a lot of intense change and chaos, uh, which probably has a lot to do with who you are now. And I know that when you were about four, something happened, but before that happened, tell us a little bit about the place you were born. Uh, I was born, as you said, in Russia, in a town which is called Atkarsk, on the river Atkara. It's not far away from the um, very big Russian river, which is called Volga. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was born in this little town and um, uh, early days Ukraine, where I spent most of my life, 35 seven years I spent in Ukraine. Ukraine and other countries uh, were one country, as you said, Soviet Union at that time. And uh, my family, my grandfather, my grandmother, and my parents decided to move to Ukraine. So at the age of five months, I was brought to Ukraine where I spent most of my life. And um, Yes, as you said, my life was different and a lot of things changed in the first 11 years of my life. Um, not, only, not only my um, relocation to another country, but uh, I was raised as a Soviet girl. And uh, there are different points of view on Soviet Union, of course. And I can tell you that I have... Uh, one opinion myself on on the Soviet Union. 
for a child, and I was a child at that time, it was a very comfortable and very joyful place to live. But we were ahead. It's amazing, you know, because I grew up in, in an age before that when anything that came out of the Soviet country, uh, the Soviet Union was a country full of evil demons and uh, communists and and people who were out to really do some nasty stuff to you. And it's amazing, you know, how, how times have changed because in those days, my parents, my grandparents, nobody doubted this complete fabrication. Nobody, nobody had any information to counter the prevalent propaganda, which was they're all really nasty, horrible people. And it was only much later in life when I started to study uh, Sistema that I re and also when I started to read, of course, mm -hmm. Dostoevsky. I, I started reading uh, Russian writers in my teens. And then you go, wait a minute. Well, these are not nasty, horrible, evil people at all. They got an incredible spiritual culture. What's the story here? I mean, and you were growing, but you were growing up when the Soviet Union still existed. So give us some slices of your, your, your life, how it was, how the state was, how the people were. Give me some pictures from that period. For instance, in late 70s, people were very relaxed and very peaceful because everything was pretty much um, in balance. I mean, in the Soviet Union, people were working, people were doing the everyday, everyday stuff. They were raising their children and having families. It was a very easy and comfortable way to live, I would say. Because I remember the times when I was waking up in the morning and it was pure joy just to be and it's not only because I was a child because my mom at that time was a grown-up she was adult but she had and she has the same memories as I did of joy peace um, calmness yes there were flaws like uh, communism um, ideology I would say but yeah. At that time, at least in the late 70s, it, it was not that harsh as at, in times of Stalin, for instance. Uh, not harsh at all. Mm. So I went, I was uh, at school, I, I was studying different um, subjects. As you said that, yes, Russians and people from uh, Slavic cultures, they are, I would say, very deep usually very deep people, very deep feeling, and uh, we have a strong spirituality in our cultures. It's just part of life. Yeah, that's, that's another thing that a lot of people don't realize about what we now call Russia. Uh, a lot of people may not know just what a profoundly spiritual culture it is. And that's why, you know, everybody should read the Brothers Karamazov. They should at least touch on some some Russian writers. Um, I mean, Tolstoy. Tolstoy. Yeah. Uh, most people think of Tolstoy as being, you know, just a writer, but he was he was an activist, and he deeply influenced people like Gandhi. You know, uh, I mean, people are real thinkers, get, getting right right down to the roots of uh, of who we are. And you know, it's it's kind of playful to consider that. Uh, 
we're given the story of a, an evil culture and the people in the West, the Europeans, the Americans are supposed to be so right and spiritual and religious. And they haven't even scratched the surface of, of what was there from a long time ago. So what, what are you taught in school when you are you're growing up? What are you taught about your own culture? What do the teachers tell you about how the USSR was born? Who are the heroes? I was born in the biggest and the best country in the world. <laughs> ah, there you go. It was the biggest country in the world at that time, I think. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, and the heroes, there were different heroes, of course. So we were studying the biography of Lenin, for instance. Yeah. Um, but we were, there, there was a subject as Russian literature, as um, literatures of other countries, and we were studying... Uh, as you said, Dostoevsky, Tolstoy, Akhmatova, Tsitaeva, Gumilov, and so on and so forth. Um, uh, we spent a lot of time in um, studying history, physics, chemistry, and so on and so forth. So it was a very, very wide range of subjects. And um, I would say, yes, school, school too uh, taught me to pay a precise intention of who am I, who are other, other peoples are, mm. what is their core, I would say. Mm. Um, so a lot of time we spent, for instance, during the literature, thinking and um, trying to find the roots of um, people's behavior, why they do what they do. So a lot of efforts were, were put into understanding other human beings. Mm, very, very important. And I know, I know that uh, when you were, I think you were around four, uh, you had an experience mm -hmm. that probably had a big effect on what you're doing now. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes, I can. And to be honest, I will tell you about this experience. But before I start, I, I should tell you that I had this experience early in my four, four, in my age in my age in my early childhood and I was convinced that it was just the book I have read. Oh. But of course no books like that in the Soviet Union especially for children. Hmm. So what 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 happened I like to be honest to, <clears throat> as I told you previously to observe to observe life to understand people and one day I was just sitting on my sofa at my grandparents' house and I was thinking why I am me, why I am Marina, because my Russian name is Marina, mm. not Marie, but that's another story. And uh, suddenly it just happened. I understood that I'm not Marina. I mean, it's my given name, but I'm not Marina. I can be anybody. And at the same time, I saw, as people, I saw myself sitting in the lotus position, but I was not sitting, I mean, physically in the lotus position. And I saw the mirror reflection of myself uh, above my head, sitting in the lotus position. Mm. And suddenly I saw the park, uh, the lake, artificial lake, and a couple. And these were my parents. 
and I was uh, mom was pregnant by by me, and I saw them, and I saw everything. It was it was so vivid. It's like a real experience. It's it was real for me at least experience, mm -hmm. and um, that was a shift because I still remember this experience, and I told you it was a shift in consciousness i would say because from outside maybe you can't notice this but from inside it was an intense work which led me to this realization that i'm not marina it's my given name mm -hmm. so that was quite an experience and uh, earlier later i asked my mom if uh, but that time i can't i was not able to talk openly about this experience because it was strange even for me <laughs> yeah we so, have no we have no uh vocabulary for that kind of experience it it turns out from what i can figure out that a lot of people who later develop uh lives that have a deep relationship with vision with the inner life um have the beginning around that age it's actually fairly common. It certainly happened to me around that age. And uh, I also experienced the difficulty of trying to communicate uh, that because our culture, uh, your culture and my culture at that time, they didn't have the vocabulary for it because a human being uh, was categorically uh, a bunch of bones and skin and meat. Right with uh, a beginning and an end, even though they touted religion that had absolutely nothing to do with their perception of reality. It was something that was part of that given structure. Mm -hmm. And so when you start talking about things that the vocabulary doesn't have words for, uh, it can be incredibly frustrating. And, and uh, it, it can cause a lot of self-doubt, like, Maybe I am crazy and maybe they're all right. And so you had that experience. Uh, was there anybody or how soon was there somebody you could find who could understand that? I think it was uh, maybe 15 years after that. Because as I was a child, I didn't know at that time if it's a norm, if it's something which is outstanding. I didn't know that. I didn't have uh, the point of reference at all. Yeah. And uh, on top of that, as you said, and you know now, I was born in the Soviet Union, in the country there was no God, no religion. It was my, my grandparents and my mom and father, they're atheists. Uh, mom, that, another, that was another question I was going to ask. So they were atheists. Yeah. Even more difficult, yeah. Yes, but it, it's, you know what, you can be not religious or even you can claim yourself as an atheist, but this spirituality, deep need and I would say even ability to be perceptive to spirituality, to spiritual things is rooted in Slavic culture. Yeah. So you can deny as much as you can, but that's the nature of these people, especially women. Uh, especially women. Oh, that's interesting. How do? You, why do you think that is in that particular geographical location? Why in this? The Slavic soul. Where does it? What's the connection? 
I would say, and, and I, don't, I don't know for sure, I'm just uh, telling you what I feel, that's the connection to Earth. Okay. To the particular place on Earth, in particular the uh, place where the Kievan Rus started. Uh, I, I believe it's a... a I know that because uh, I was... Uh, I lived in Kiev in particular for seven years and I was um, in the oldest places. These are places of another energy. Mm. Mm. Or places of power, force. You can, Again, that's just a label. And to be honest, um, at the age of 31, or no, 33, I experienced, the first time I experienced um, the impact of energies on the body to such, to such, um, such intense impact that I finally just gave up. I said to myself, okay, I, I just, I accept this, I believe it exists. What happened? What happened? Where? Um, it was actually another interesting um, history or story. I, I met uh, the Tibetan monk and uh, our, our friendship started very strange because I helped him, I helped him to find the apartment in Kiev because I lived there for seven years and he was... Uh, so it's not a story. So I met the Tibetan monk and uh, he said, you help me and I'm going to help you too. I will show you and I will convince you that energy exists uh -huh. and, and it can and it can and it does um, impact the physical bodies or matter and uh, it doesn't it can be restricted by um, at least space. And I felt this energy, the positive energy, full of joy when you're just in ecstasy, just because you feel you can't receive this energy. And I felt another energy. It's almost the feeling like you're, somebody tries to choke you, basically. Mm. And uh, what he also told me and um, helped me to understand that you can be the ve uh, vessel for this energy. Mm. And basically that's who we are here on this earth, believe you or not. Mm. The, better, the sooner you will understand this, realize the better for you, first of all, because otherwise it's a life full of frustration and pain. Mm. We so are... So we are first, let me get that just clear, Mary. So we are vessels for or vessels of energy. Right. If we, if we don't understand that, for example, if we don't understand that we're vessels of energy, how does that impact us, first of all? First of all, that's a conflict inside or different conflicts inside ourselves because we are energetic beings we are energy and we are vessels of energy and uh, i believe that the level of our consciousness that's what allows us to perceive different energies and unfortunately the person on a lower lower um, level of consciousness person tends to drag this energy the lower energy the bad energy so to speak 
um, in, in his or her life and in her or his body, first of all, because we live, that's the only place to live here, our bodies, right? Mm -hmm. The same um, if we are, or a person is on a higher level of consciousness, we able to be open to more, uh, to more, to better, to more positive energy. A good word is a good word. I think here is more refined forms of of energy. Right. And and so the Tibetan monk uh, obviously had some experience of understanding these more uh, refined or higher forms of energy, and uh, he uh, was able to communicate with you that this was a reality. You felt it. Absolutely. And, and how did it how did it make you feel at that time when you understood that? Yeah, it was it was a realization and it was a decision for me that yes, it's reality, it's real. There is no way anymore to to pretend that it's just my perception. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's false. It's it's the way it is, and you have to live with this. And the better you understand and utilize this, or just not utilize the if you will just relax and be yourself you will allow this energy to flow through you oh, that's an important point relax and be yourself and allow this energy to flow through you because that's the precise philosophy of sistema which is the oldest russian uh it's the oldest one of the oldest martial arts in the world it's got more than a thousand years of history. It came out of the Orthodox Church of Russia because uh, Russia was surrounded by enemies. And uh, so the Russian warriors had to understand all different ways of protecting themselves. And so there, therefore they had to understand literally the energetics of, uh, of battle and uh, they learned something incredible, which was that relaxation, absolute fundamental, not just a little bit relaxed. Yes, absolutely. Totally relaxed actually is the most powerful state that you can possibly be in. Right. And, uh, I've, I've been at the end of that and been astonished. How can such power come from such relaxation so you understood that, that this yeah. energy is too powerful to try and hold or or control right right you have just to let it go to flow otherwise your your brains will be in danger i would say yeah your brain and your body would be in danger i think that in one word that's just called these days that's just called stress people have no idea how debilitating stress can be because you can't see it you can touch it you can smell it but when you're in a stressful state nothing seems to work uh so did this 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 experience with uh with the monk and obviously lots of other experiences uh convinced you beyond a shadow of a doubt of the energetic reality of your being and yes. that you're not your name you're not your body uh, you're something different. And uh, 
this experience when you are four, when you were completely out of your body, or you were out of your body and you were almost seeing yourself choosing your parents, these kind of experiences must have had some difficulties associated with them because most people don't talk about that or even if they feel it. So tell us a little bit about some of the darkness that that might have brought you or the the pain it might have brought you growing up. There are two episodes I would want to talk about right now. The first one, I I should say that this kind of strength uh, gave me the ability to see people. I can't even say that I see them. I feel them. Sometimes I can almost hear their thoughts, but it's not hearing. As you told me previously, it's just an immediate, instantaneous understanding. Mm. And of course, we're all people. And especially people who love me or whom I love, they can be different from time to time, yes, and including my parents or my uh, child or husband or friends. And uh, yes, it's a little bit of stress and pain, but I learned to to live with this and maybe it's a good experience not maybe it's a good experience because what this pain taught me that i have to accept everything and uh, i have uh, I, this experience actually led me to the realization of unconditional love mm. Mm. and again i was not able to talk about this free and like we are talking now with you for a long long time because it was not still a reality for me. Now it's real. Uh, the other pain, uh, I had this dream for 14 years in a row. Wow. And uh, yes, uh, actually this dream stopped at the age of when I was 14 and uh, the Soviet Union collapsed when I was 11. Mm. But from the age of four, I would say, or even maybe earlier I, I can't i can't give you the exact time frame but at the age of 14 15 maybe this dream stopped and um, we all had the experience when we are falling asleep and we are the we had the feeling when we are falling down to the some unknown place to the darkness and uh, at this point people usually they are waking up mm. What was going on with me? I was not waking up. I was falling, for real falling. And when uh, I was in the depth of this darkness, I started, first my, my dream started with a strange perception of space and time. For instance, I knew that it was, <clears throat> the object was near, but I perceived this object as being far away from me. Uh, the time started to flow faster or slower, mm. but I knew that it should be the normal speed of time. And uh, after that, I saw, I, I now I know that I saw uh, the key um, episodes of my life in this dream. I saw the collapse of the Soviet Union, and in this dream, it was shown to me from the side, from the left side, like a heartbeat, and me being this heart, 
I saw the goals in the in the forms of the Soviet Union um, school forms. School forms. They were um, playing in, in the rows, standing in the rows. And after that, I saw this boom collapse. The, all the pieces were scattered around. Mm. After the war, that, there was an episode. There, I was sitting with a boy, and I know this boy now. This boy is my son. Because I, I saw him, I saw his face, so I saw him, it's my son. And we were sitting with him, and I knew in this dream, I didn't know at that time, of course, who is this boy, but I knew in, this, in, in that dream that there was a war, uh, and we were sitting and gathering the, the, part, the parts of glass or something like that. And yes, now the Ukraine, unfortunately, in the war with the Russia, which is a total nonsense for me because we're connected. We have deep connections, blood connections. We are almost the same. We're mother and daughter, mother and son. We're relatives. Uh, the other one episode in this dream was my mom's... Uh, it's personal, but my mom's... Um, uh, disease which we all became and which led me by the way to this Tibetan monk mm. the other episode I saw were, the last episode I have seen this dream were two uh, horses white and black and I was frustrated because always with this dream was the end of this dream was on this episode and I have never was allowed to understand or to see which horse will win, black or white? I was, I, I saw this dream once again after it stopped at the age of 14, 15. And at that time, I saw the white horse and me on this horse mm. riding and going just forward. And I understand it's just a dream, maybe for somebody, but. The same dream for many, many years in a row. And uh, now I feel like these two horses are two tendencies in our society, maybe, mm. in our humanity. Mm. Because what I see that from one side, there is a reverse tendency, unfortunately, of reverse tendency where people are getting more angry more tight mm. less intelligent mm. from the other side there is a strong wave strong tendency strong trend i would even say mm. of people who are trying not trying who are gathering together and who are futuristic who are visionaries who are, who are changing their perception who are uh, uh, who, are live, uh, who live on the other level of consciousness and who unite <laughs> finally with, with each other. And that's good. That's actually, it's great. And uh, if to talk why and what led me to coaching and to entrepreneurship, because I have another project, which is in 360 technologies and virtual reality, technologies 
exactly this because i believe that the fastest way to make changes in this world in this society because we all have economies right it's the entrepreneurship uh, why coaching because coaching really a revolutionary tool which can change the consciousness the self-perception the awareness of a person one person at a time but it really works and i can't even explain you how radically and how good uh, the results of coaching for people so coaching in um, in general saves a person who, who who being coached seven years of life because oh, life, that's because, amazing seven years of life yes well, before, before we get into this really juicy topic of coaching i just want to review some of the things you've said because there are there are many listeners out there who may think that a dream is a kind of an illusion or a vision is a mental uh, aberration. And we always have to remember, just like you saw two horses, that in our own bodies and minds, it's like we have, we, we have two operating systems too. We have, we have the, the parallel processor and the serial uh, processor. We, we have the uh, left and the right brains. And these are actually uh, almost totally autonomous, separate systems. We're binary units. And so there are many people who still have not considered that the other side exists, whether it's the left or the right brain types. And right. I used to think, nah, nah, it's not really that clear. We're not really that different. But uh, I think the more research is done, the more it's clear that we are binary beings and we can choose to operate as a serial or a parallel processor, as a, as a linear uh, being or as a multidimensional being. That's mm -hmm. what we are. So this in itself has become an extreme uh, situation on this planet as so many people will insist that the other side actually doesn't exist or the other side is evil, or the other side is an aberration. Only the left, only the left says the left, but you can't have a left without a right. And then the right is saying, only the right, only the right. We can't have that without the left. And it's so blindingly obvious, logically, if you think about it, mm -hmm. uh, but yet we're still being manipulated by a propaganda that comes from only one side of the totality. So you were blessed with vision, with dream, uh, and every night for you know more than a decade, you actually clearly saw the future. And previous to that, you realized that time and space are relative concepts, uh, which uh, you can freely move around. So right. you, had, you actually had those experiences, not once or not twice, but so yeah. often, that you have left, you're left with no doubt. Uh, you even see your own son. So that's experience. That's reality as far as you're concerned. There's no way you can doubt that. So this leads you to uh, what you call coaching. Uh, mm -hmm. What, uh, if you can, 
give me a few metaphors for coaching because many people will hear coaching and they'll just think of sports. They'll think about, you know, physical training. But I don't think that's what you mean by coaching. I think it's a much bigger idea. Can you give us some more ideas about it? I would say coaching for me, it's first of all, the deep transformational experience, uh, which can literally transform you and how it, it, it is, it happened, it is happening. I would say with the reconnection to your true source. Mm. So, and again, coaching doesn't work if person doesn't want to change. I was early in my career in the situations when I was asked to coach some somebody. It doesn't work. The tools for upgrade your system, I would say, is here. They are scattered around. The treasures are around you, but they can be implemented only if person willing to change. That's a really important point. That's an incredibly important point for everybody who's listening to remember. If you are not willing to change, all of the transformative technology in the world is not going to do anything at all, which explains why people who are pushed into uh, reform systems, who are thrown into uh, jail. I mean, there are many stories of people who completely transform their lives in jail. Uh, and there are a whole bunch of others uh, who just get crushed by it. And the only difference is that that's an awakening. I really have to change myself here. I yeah. really have to do it. And I really need help. And at that point, the coach, of course, appears when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. So mm -hmm. we got that point. You have to be ready. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it's a waste of time. Yes. Please continue. Yes. I'm ready. I'm ready. So let's say I'm ready. How does the coach come and assist those who are ready? What does the coach, how does the coach operate to get me into a new operating system? If the person is ready, coaching starts with the request. So what the person wants to change? What is the narrow place in life? What is the most painful maybe place in life or in personality? And uh, from where we are starting with coaching, and very often uh, I had such in, in experiences when a person from business comes to me and saying, I have an issue with my business. I don't know what is going on. I have four businesses and I'm completely stuck. I have never experienced this earlier in my life. I don't know what is going on. I can't do anything. What Everything what I'm doing is led me uh, to mistakes. And I started not with the business coaching because we can start with the business coaching, but it will be, would be only the surface of things. And I led him uh, to the coaching, coaching session, which combines, which combined uh, emotional state and physiology. And through this, he discovered that actually it was a fear that he is getting older and he will fail in the eyes of his children mm. and it was very useful and important, important experience for me too because he was 
that kind of businessman who used to act. He acts and after that thinks he is not in spiritual things and coaching and all this stuff, not at all. And suddenly when he got this realization and he said for me, to me, oh, that's why I have for half a year this severe pain in my back. And uh, that, that after that, we made the map and the plan how to get out of this situation and what to do after that in his business, what kind of marketing plan he should have or business plan, so on and so forth. Because I believe that businesses are the manifestations of us. Mm, that's very interesting. Uh, I, I have a, a friend in Japan who is a, uh, he's a very psychically gifted uh, he is a healer, he's a Qigong master, but he's principally a businessman. And he said to me, uh, you know, the best arena, the best place for us to experiment with the reality of our spiritual beliefs is actually business. Because yeah. that's where the results will be instantly obvious, plus or minus. There's there's no other arena. And especially if you're like him, if you're an entrepreneur, uh, can you take your, your dreams, your visions for business into a reality? Yes. Uh, well, it all actually depends on fundamental mm -hmm. attitudes, which are very deep. They have to be very deep to really manifest. A, a surface dream won't work in an entrepreneurial world, which is yes. why most people get employed because they're yeah. terrified of actually having to show their spiritual state through the material world, which is business. And I think yeah. you've, you've completely understood that, which is why you, are, you had an entrepreneurial past. I mean, I know that you are working in the Ukraine in quite a powerful position. Maybe you just want to tell us about that? Yes, my professional life started in the Ministry of Economy and European Integration of Ukraine. So first it was the Department for Social, uh, for Investments uh, and market, market. And it was a pretty interesting position. Uh, after that I was uh, in the Department of um, uh, Balance of Payments of Ukraine and we were doing the forecasts, forecasting models for the Ukraine's economy. And again, it was a very interesting place to be. I would say it was the most interesting work in my life, not counting entrepreneurship. Um, because at that position, position, I was able to implement all the knowledge I got in the university, in the university and in another institute, Institute of Investment Management. But I decided to quit this job and the reason was I think all my life I was searching how I can actually create. Because, as I said, I feel this deeper connection with the source, our common source and my inner source too. And I feel like it's all about free will and creativity, the mm. ability to be free to create. Mm. So that was my first position. After that, I, I thought maybe not in governmental institution, maybe in banking, I will find uh, more 
implementation of my creativity, so to speak. And I started there and I developed the department from scratch in, in the bank. And uh, it was a pretty big position too. Uh, but finally, I understood that now I'm an entrepreneur in my core. I need freedom and I need creativity. So that's why entrepreneurship and uh, I started actually from the manufacturing and design of furniture. That was the first entrepreneurship in my life. Um, and after that, uh, when I decided that, yes, entrepreneurship for me, uh, I was still searching and have this feeling and I would say even sometimes pain that it's not enough still it's not enough still and uh, I found uh, uh, coaching uh, actually my love to psychology and co coaching started early uh, when I when I was on the second a second in the second year in the university and maybe I was born like that now I think but that's what I really like to do. So entrepreneurship, new technologies, because I believe they will change and reshape our bodies, our mind, and our societies. And coaching, because that's the transformational tool to change us. To so you, you have to clearly, Mari, you have clearly got an integration going on here, where on the one hand you have a, uh, a gifted, visionary, spiritual base, or background but at the same time uh, there you are in the ukraine right in the center of governmental operations doing a very high level job i mean no doubt in those days there were a lot of uh, uh people around you uh who admired you and were amazed that you could hold such a position i yeah. mean basically you've got your hands on on the purse strings of the, the entire economy in a sense you're at that level of the center of government, then you go into banking. So it's almost as if you are trying to integrate your your own spiritual principles at the at the very uh, center of the material world, which is of yes. banking and government and all the rest of it. But you realize now it's not really that either because I'm not in control. They're right. in control of me which brings you to entrepreneurship and you start to develop your own creativity and you yeah. start to see that, ah, this is how you integrate your spiritual beliefs in the real world. You do it mm -hmm. through yourself, through your yeah. own ideas and your own creativity, which brings us to coaching, of course. And I know that you have got some major influences in your coaching work. Uh, looking at your Enso uh, uh, coaching site, I can mm -hmm. see that Anthony Robbins is in there and that Milton Erickson is in there. Is that correct? Yes, correct. Yes, correct. Tell us a bit about Milton Erickson and his his effect, his uh, importance of his teaching in your coaching. Actually, I'm the professional coach of Erickson College. Ah. And, uh, that's uh, that's the coaching which developed uh, was developed and still de in developing uh, by his um, one of his students Marilyn Atkinson and uh, I like really like the practical use of the techniques they develop mm. because it's science 
what I was struggling and not struggling, I was trying, as you said, to integrate the spirituality, left and right brain. Yes, mm -hmm. logics, science, and spirituality. And in this type of coaching, it's integrated, it's there. You just can, of course, you have to feel deep. You have to perceive and listen on the most possible deepest level the person when you're coaching. But there is a tool, the technique, which you're doing with your coachee and things just happen, are happening. Yeah, Milton Erickson, uh, I remember, for those who don't know, Milton Erickson uh, had polio when he yeah. was a child, and the only thing he could move was his head for several years. Yes. So he actually observed, he really profoundly observed the world because that's all he could do. Yes. And that, that gifted him with very profound abilities, which he later developed through uh, uh, what we now call hypnotherapy, as I understand right. it. But he had lots of teaching stories that were, that were so enlightening. And I remember one woman came to him one day and said, you know, my teenage son, his face is covered with acne and pimples. And you know, I've tried all the cream and I've tried all of the techniques. And, but he's just covered in acne. And, and Milton said to him, take away all mirrors in your house for three weeks, right? No mirrors. Don't let your son see his face for three weeks. And I, as soon as I read that, it was what a brilliant concept. I mean, so simple. Instead of the outer application of fixes, you change that person's perception right. at the most fundamental level. So changing perception at a fundamental level is really what a coach does isn't it would you agree yes yes absolutely i agree with you and while i was listening to this story i remember that by the way tibetan monk told me that uh, during 24 years when he was studying his teachings in, in the monastery they were not allowed to look at themselves into the mirror Oh, wow, that's incredible. That's incredible. So they had no, they have other ways to perceive the world from inside out, more than like from other direction. And now we're in the age of selfies. I mean, it's the exact opposite. Nothing but selfie, selfie, selfie. Me, 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 the center. This is me. This, this apparition in the mirror or... On Facebook, this is me, but of course that is not me. And and that perception of who we are, the selfie perception is actually probably the black horse that you were seeing. If we go down that road, which it certainly seems that we're going down uh, right now, uh, then uh, that's pretty dark. Uh, however, there's also, you mentioned earlier that there's a growing number of people who are aware that if we support each other's new perception, it's not a new perception, it's the basic perception, it's the ancient perception, that we're not actually physical beings at all. We're energetic or, if you like, spiritual beings. And there seems to be a growing, there seems to be 
Now, this is the important word. There seems to be a growing awareness. Uh, but then we have no data scientifically to actually, like, what percentage of people share this uh, understanding? Mm-hmm. Uh, some, all my friends are spiritual will say, yeah, well, you've got 10 friends and there are 8 million people in this city who don't think that way, you know? So actually, we don't know. We could just be dreaming that we are more than we think. But I think it's a, it's a very powerful dream. And it certainly seems to be the case that uh, more and more people are beginning to understand that we're not physical beings. So it would seem to me that the kind of work you do is going to have more and more of a demand placed on it to help people. Are you finding that? Are you getting a lot more interest in your work now, for example, in the last few years than you did before? Do you feel an, an increase? Yes, definitely. I feel an increase because earlier there was, again, the, the tools were there, but the demand, it maybe it was there too, because, but this demand was not, people were not aware of this demand mm. in themselves, I would say. But the, yes, the process is going on and I would say it's better now than Yeah, that's a perception I would share, that definitely uh, certain words have entered our vocabulary that didn't exist there before. I mean, you used the word transformation, and this word is much more heavily in use within our culture. It was never there. The word transformation, and what does that mean? Uh, Now it's it's almost uh, normal for people to use words like transformation or awareness or consciousness or spiritual work. Uh, There are many different ways to approach it, Uh, but the need seems to be growing. Certainly, the the age of the psychoanalyst is gone because the the whole psychoanalytical procedure was, I'm the psychoanalyst, you got the problem, now I'm going to fix you by listening to your stories. And even... Huh? <laughs> Your stories from the past, and I'm not—I'm not against psychotherapy and so on and so forth. But I don't share the approach when they're trying to dig in the past over and over and over and over again. Which actually reaffirms past patterns. And I think I read somewhere that uh, at some psych- uh, psychological convention, they actually admitted that modern psychologists actually admitted that more than half, a, more than a century of psychoanalysis had actually done pretty much nothing, which is from their own point of view, not from the point of view of other people criticizing them, but they actually admitted we're pretty useless when it comes down to it. And I think you nailed it because you're, you're focusing on something which actually doesn't exist. The past actually doesn't exist now yes and to focus on something that doesn't exist doesn't seem a hopeful thing to do in my opinion but to focus on what does exist which is you and me and everybody else listening you do exist and you do exist now and so right now there is something you can do about changing your perception of how things are which brings us to your work with coaching uh, Anthony Robbins, NLP, uh, all mm-hmm. of these wonderful techniques that have erupted in the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. But 
there wasn't the need. Uh, people knew they were there, but they were kind of sta- scared to go there. Yeah. Can you give me an example of somebody that you have worked with in the last year, for example, who has clearly transformed? <laughs> I would say every client. I'm, I'm, um, I'm smiling because I wanted to tell you that my husband. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> let's, let's go with the ones close. What transformation? How? Uh, but I would say, John, that every person who comes into coaching with a desire to change has this transformation, deep transformation. And sometimes, not sometimes, almost always they're changing even their path in their businesses, in their lives. Some people are coming with a desire to divorce, for instance. And after that, they, after a few sessions, they understand that it's not about divorcing somebody or from somebody. It's about about themselves that their needs or values or their dreams were in, were not able to manifest again or to be satisfied some people are changing their lifestyles because in coaching it's getting clear if they will proceed with the uh, pace they were going it will be harmful for them and uh, for me, what is very satisfying, yes, there are immediate results in coaching, in the session. That's what I like about coaching. It's not like you're talking with a person for half a year and after that you're getting the results. The results are in the session. So if the session is 40, 45 minutes, an hour, you will get these immediate results. But I like the feedback personally from people who are coming uh, to me after half a year, after few months and they're saying we're still on track it was really transform transformation that's really important that's really important because there are there are many so-called ways for people to make sudden shifts but you got to go back and check six months later and a year later like mm-hmm. was because to transform means to literally change from one form into another go beyond to go beyond your current form and so you're saying that people come back six months later and they say yeah it's not, uh, yes. I did transform and, and that's very important for people to know. It's not a temporary fix. It's not a temporary fix. It's a very profound transformation. And I was in the situation when half a year from coaching, uh, the person called me, it was a man and he's saying, Marie, I am calling, you know, first I'm calling to you. I'm not calling my mom. I'm not calling my wife. I'm exactly at the time and space and place where we were envisioned me to be in our coach sessions thank you very much mm. and that is what keeps me going that is very powerful I yeah would say. it's incredible that you can make a difference he's not calling his mother or his wife he's calling you to mm. share something that is astonishing that yes what, what was envisioned actually happened right Yes. What I would like to tell you also and to our listeners that transformations, they are the, the natural things which are happening uh, with us or to us in, during our life anyways. So the only one, uh, uh, the only one difference, if you will choose this by your own to be transformed in a very comfortable way with the help of coaching or life will force you to change and if you will not change it will be painful Mm, 
So yeah, I would say that's important. That's important. Ouch! Ouch! <laughs> Do it, it for yourself or get it done to you. Wow! Ouch! Yeah. Um, and uh, can I please add also, I think that's very important because earlier days, I would say in this society, there was a trend or a trend, I would say, to be the, the unique you, to be individual. Nowadays, more and more I hear from all over the places, from entrepreneurs and other people, that there is the big need and value in solidarity. Mm. in unity and being united and i was talking not so long ago with a coach actually he's a genius coach he says that i have the uh, system to decode the code uh, the genius inside everybody mm. so he tells that earlier days for people there was a god in disguise or religion nowadays it's goes back to us back to us to be united to each other and understanding that we are one and there in this unity the force and the power and beauty and joy and the creation and all these things so at least for me it was i would say for me it was the recent realization or insight because Early in the days, I I was more like I'm by myself. I'm independent. But nowadays, I tend to be among, and it's really joyful to be among people who are like-minded, who are sharing the same values, who are actually doing practical things here on Earth, which for our well-being. Absolutely, uh, interdependence and independence have a symbiotic relationship that we're only really beginning to understand i think as human beings yes. uh, we're, we're at a very very uh basic stage uh, of our evolution um we're just developing the circuits let's say we're developing the connections that the internet is showing us technologically are possible but we all have that inbuilt uh, yeah. to connect with other people, to empathize with other people. So I'd like to actually bring this to uh, your vision of where you see us going like in the next, let's say the next five years, let's limit it to that, as a species, as not just your vision, but where this feeling of a new tribe, a new understanding, a new connection with people who share the core principle of actually I'm the master of my own fate, but I'm not alone. Yes. There are others who are also master of their own fates and we can co-create. Can you leave us with your vision? Uh, I would say in the first, in the five years from now, we will have, the leap in technologies will, which will reshape our bodies. Mm. Um, so we will be more stronger, maybe more smart or intelligent, or at least we will have the access to the infinite information. And of course, it has flaws too, but good, good things. I would say um, matter the most. And um, 
I think that there will be more collaborations, at least I would like to work on this uh, among the entrepreneurs who, who integrated this uh, totality in themselves. Um, that will lead us to other discoveries, other, other inventions, uh, which will reshape eventually our societies. I don't want to tell anything bad about governments, but I feel like, at least in this in the shape we have them currently all over the places, they will disintegrate or will be reshaped. Well, that's good news. <laughs> Can you please disintegrate and reshape like yesterday? <laughs> so... Uh, unfortunately, uh, among, uh, along with these good trends, there will be a resistance, of a resistance, of course, because that's this entrance to the bright future, unfortunately, not to everybody. And I'm not saying not to everybody because there some people are worse just because the entrance to the new world will will be the level of consciousness absolutely uh the entrance to the new world will be a level of consciousness and and maybe we could actually uh we could bring it to a conclusion by saying resistance is futile you can't change this wave no matter how much you you try right. uh there was an old story when i was growing up where a king is sitting by the shore and he's a powerful king and he demands that the sea stop and doesn't come in. You know, that's kind of where we're at. Do you right. remember that king's name? Do you no, remember I... that king's name? I don't remember his name either, but I'm sure a lot of other people do because of course he got drowned. And yeah. that's kind of the symbol of our times. Resistance is futile. A change yeah. in consciousness is clearly occurring on our planet. Clearly our planet. occurring. And yeah. uh, there is nothing that can stop it. And so people like yourself, Marie, who can uh, positively assist others to uh, consciously transform to be more in tune with that new wave right. uh, and, and help each other to transform to be more in tune with that wave are obviously going to have a creative and interesting and amazing ride. And uh, I wish you well. I'm sure that it will be an increasingly interesting journey. And uh, I thank you for being a guest today on Rover and look forward to talking to you again. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me and see you soon. I want you to just say a few words in Russian as you leave. Большое спасибо за ваше внимание и до свидания. До свидания. До свидания.